What? A second series? Who ordered that? Well, you can be sure to expect more of the same. Coarse language, dubious mathematics, and borderline inappropriate humour. Mathsat is back, and this time it's personal. That doesn't even make sense. Welcome to Maths at the Movies, where, simply put, we're two cylinders and a cone critiquing movies from a mathematical point of view. Who's the cone? I'm your co... I I always let you decide on these things. Okay. I'm your co-host, Thomas Woolley, and joining me now and forevermore is the polygonal Ben Parker (laughs) and the polyamorous Liz. How are you guys? (laughs) I'm fine, yes. um, uh, Last time you called me square, so I'm delighted to have uh, moved on to polygonal. You gained some size. Right, okay. Oh, yes, and I should introduce, we have, we're not alone. We are, are not we alone. Not? We have a super secret special guest oh. now. Those voices you're hearing, Ben, we are not alone. <laughs> oh, we're never alone. <laughs> Joining us this week, once, well, hopefully not for the one time only, if she's good, we'll get her back, so be good, is the wonderful Lyle Skames. <laughs> How are you doing, Lyle? Hi, everyone, I'm doing fairly well. So, Lyle, um... Would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Uh, give us a bit of a, an idea of why you're here. Okay, um, I am a creative writer and researcher in creative writing and digital media. And I look at lots of different narratives across lots of different media. And I write lots of different narratives across lots of different media. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, your work is very cool. I've had a look into some of it, and it, and, and it's kind of sort of like the next generation of choose your own adventure style things. It, it it's it, it's involving the reader in the narrative. Yeah, I like to say that I write stories that readers can participate in. So that involves hypertexts and gameplay within the story. Um, usually, it calls for a digital device of some sort so that you can um, click around and interact with and and solve different puzzles and follow different uh, paths in the narrative and do different things. So, uh, yeah, it's it's having a bit of fun with, with story. Okay, so we're, we're like we're like one minute in, and I already want yeah. to sack off this podcast and go on holiday with Lyle. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to lie. To be honest, we all do. So I should mention that I met Lyle through the Welsh Crucible, which is an idea of bringing a load of Welsh researchers together from a, a wide variety of different disciplines and have them talk with each other. And Lyle was just one of the most interesting people there that stood out. But you also have uh, you have you have a science background, is that right? I do. Um, I started off in uh, agriculture and animal sciences and moved on to evolutionary biology. Uh, so I was very fascinated with genetics and, in particular, population genetics and evolutionary genetics and biological anthropology. So. Um, I do oh, a lot of... So what was Thanos right? Well... With his Malthusian killing half the population uh, of the universe. It doesn't really work that way because also... <laughs> yeah, we're not really terribly overpopulated. We're just badly distributed. That's very true. Yeah. So... I mean, we have enough food to, food to feed everyone. It's just all within American supermarkets. Yeah, you know, and in our trash cans. Yeah, actually, here's a good point. I'm still in America at this moment. And let's play another round of What Has Thomas Eaten? Oh, I love this game. <laughs> it's got a somewhat niche appeal. So last time for Lyle, I ate chicken... What was it? Chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak. And honey butter. Is it a... 
bald eagle and a <laughs> mustang. <laughs> <laughs> nothing so nothing so uh crazy oh, what i ate and i still don't know what it is because all it was advertised as was yellow cake with chocolate icing <laughs> yellow cake <laughs> what is yellow cake i had to eat it it's called yellow cake it's, know, it's a flavor of cake it's just, it's just it's yellow yellow cake. is not a flavor <laughs> Orange is a flavour. Well, fair enough, actually. It's a bit. It's like our Victorian sponge. Sponge isn't a cake. It's a thing that you wipe off dishes with. But you guys eat <laughs> fair that. Point, fair point. But it does taste of Victoria. So I will never eat Victorian sponge cake again. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get on with the rest of the show. Uh, we've all watched Cube. Have we all watched Cube, guys? Yep. Yes. It's always. It's always quite a nerve-wracking part of the podcast when you say what film we've watched, Tom. Because I'm always like, oh, did I watch the right one? Did I watch the right one? Yes! <laughs> but uh, before we do go into the, the film, it is a horror film, which is quite unusual for a maths uh, uh, film. I've never thought of it that way. Well, th- this is the thing. I mean, we'll get into this probably more in the film zone, but did we all watch it? That's what I want to check, because you weren't so keen on this, Liz. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, I'm full disclaimer, um, I worked out a method to watch it. Which was, <laughs> I I read the plot on Wikipedia, right? Um, and I worked out when the horrible bits would be, right? Um, and I either skipped them where it was easy to skip, so like the very first yes. bit was very yes. easy because yes. yes. you yeah. could just yeah, yeah, yeah. find the like where the title started, um, or I just switched it off. Um, and I also watched it on a Sunday morning, so ah, it, it so was nice and light, and you weren't scared. <laughs> very nice, good, good. Okay, and in fact, shall we get into it now? Shall we lead in, let that lead us into the movie zone? To the movie zone! So, this week we watched Cube, which is the story of seven people trapped in a big Rubik's Cube. Um, The Rubik's Cube is divided into boxes, and some of the boxes horribly kill you when you enter them. It's slightly bigger than a Rubik's Cube, I think. It's a Rubik's Cube on steroids. Although that would have been a great twist at the end if it just, like, the camera zoomed out and it was just someone fiddling around. Oh my god. So, like, every, literally every Rubik's Cube that you buy... It has small people has inside. tiny people being tortured. Actually, hold on. I want to get this in now. They're actually going to remake this film. Yeah, they call I it cubed. They did have sequels. Mm. Yes. Oh, we'll talk about those a bit later. And a prequel. Cube 2 and Cube 0. <laughs> Yeah, Cube 2 was the sequel, Hypercube, Cube 0 was the prequel. If, if you're going to watch them, go in knowing that they're all radically different. Mm-hmm. And not as good. Well, they were all written and directed by different people. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. Uh, all, the, all the sort of Star Trek movies were directed by different people. Um, True, but we now know. live in an age where, where people try and put things together and see canonicity of different things. So because these films are purposefully ambiguous... People try and create their own head cannons, and it just gets very confusing. So there's cube fans out there, aren't there? There's conventions, and I love it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is my fault. I suggested it. <laughs> there, there, are, there are a lot of yeah. yeah. You're a cubist. Very nice, very nice. But is there any more to your synopsis, Liz? Or? Uh, well, all, I mean, really, all I was gonna, all I was gonna finish to say is, so some of the boxes uh, horribly kill you when you enter them. Yes. Um, so it tells the story of of. The, these seven people uh, trying to navigate their way out, which involves a bit of maths, and perhaps we'll get into that when we get into well, it. But, um, does it? We'll get into the maths. And then they all sort of it? just turn on each other, and everyone murders each other, 
um, except for one guy who doesn't. And that's the end. Yeah, no, that really is. You could even some. So yeah, they're in a box. They all murder each other. The yeah, it's that's great. About right. So I mean, I've got to say, one of the reasons why I did want to bring Lyle onto the podcast is to have someone who actually has a background in narrative structure <laughs> and someone who has an understanding of story. Whereas we've got two mathematicians and Liz. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, why did that not sound kind? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I heard it. It sounded different in my head. Um, but I you're in to, your own category. Yeah. Liz. This is again. Liz, Liz is her own. Lyle, what did you see in this film? Because you, as you say, you you suggested this. Why do you like? It? Well, I mean, I like it because of the puzzle. I I do like puzzles, and I I love that aspect. But also, I love it because it's it's effectively it's a bottle episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to many, 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 many plays in which, you know, you have a very limited uh, set. I would imagine <laughs> that they just built the one no room. Budget. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then changed colors. This is the, have you ever been to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival? Yeah. The, yeah. This is very much yeah, like a lot of plays. Yeah, exactly. And so it is just, let's put a different people together into a crucible and turn up the the heat and yeah, and yes, see yeah, what yeah. what plays out. And so as a writer, you know, I love that that notion of let's take these these basic characters and mix them all together and see what happens with them. I mean, it's very pared down because that's all you really have from this film is characterization. They don't have yeah, absolutely. props like apart from the cube that they're in. And their clothes and their pants. And their, <laughs> their pants, they do use their pants to great effect on And boots. their buttons. And yep. their so they actually do a lot with very little, don't but they? But I love that it actually does have a lot of symbolism um, from their names to what they're wearing to the colors. This, to... Oh, yes. No, no, tell us about the names. Yeah, so their names are all names of prisons. Um, so Quentin is the, the easiest one to get, I think, because you think San Quentin. San Quentin. Yep. Um, it's, it's in the first five to ten minutes when... Quentin turns around and says Leavenworth, and he's speaking to both of them that you put the Leavenworth prison together. Uh, Kazan is a Russian prison, I think, slash mental institution. Alderson is, um, who I think he's the, he never really gets, you never really see his name because he's the one who gets cheese grated. That one, um, it's a prison known for isolation, uh, which makes sense for him because he never met anybody else. Um, Holloway is a women's prison. I, I didn't realise that. That's some, that's some nice hidden <laughs> naming there. It's good, good. But I do have to talk to you about the characterization of Quentin. Mm-hmm. Do we believe that? Wait, now, I'm going to just give you my favourite Quentin quote, which okay, was, um, he was described, he was saying that he was a policeman and therefore... It's my job to read people like an x-ray. Oh my god, he kept repeating that over and over. <laughs> he did, he did. I was like, you know x-rays only show bones, right? It's like, so, so you can see their bones. Maybe he's reading people like one of those machines you have to go in an airport, and you have to do like the Macarena, and then they see you naked. Have you been through those? You have to do the YMCA, yep. yeah. and then they make you turn yes, around, yeah, yeah. and then there's somebody else in a hidden room going, oh, oh what great boobs that person's got. And I'm like, that's not fair. I just put on a few pounds, and yeah. Um, ben, Ben, that wasn't uh, an air, airline thing you were doing there. I see, that was, it, was, it was one of those other places with booths. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so so let, let's go through the characterization a bit. So we have a Renz was the other person. Did you Ren, mention Renz? Yes. Well, Ren. Even friend, even in the yeah. film, Tom, what is it with you and weird pronunciation of names? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm Fair sorry. Ma. So 
<laughs> so Quentin is the um, leader, but goes weird towards the end. This is what I want to get into. I want to go in, into his characterization. I would call we him have... the the Stalin of the group. The, the, the dictator, yeah. certainly, by the end. Yeah, but it certainly starts with Dick. <laughs> I mean, I would Very say nice I would term. say he's a kind of symbol of like toxic masculinity. That very much so. Very, yeah. we'll, 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 let me let me let's go over the <laughs> let's give let's give the whole structure and then we can pick them apart. So that's Quentin. Then we have Levin, who is the mathematician. She's the uh, she can understand. She starts seeing the patterns in the numbers. I don't think she's a mathematician, Tom. But we'll come to that later. Well, we'll come to that. Then we have Hollingway. Yep. She is a doctor. She's she's a doctor at a free clinic. Um, and I think the only, pretty much the only other thing we know about her is she used to smoke. Uh, she's a conspiracy theorist. She's a conspiracy yes. theorist. That's good. Yes, good point. In Turns out she was right, though. She was right all along. Then we have Worth, who, as as Lyle mentioned, he was one of the architects of the outside of the cube, but he knows nothing about the inside. Okay. Then we have Kazan, who's a savant, and he is able to break down these well, not really that big prime numbers <laughs> into their factors or numbers into factors. Also, it bugged me that they kept... Factoring out even numbers. Like, oh yeah, no, that, that's the most fa- the most famous <laughs> scene for mathematicians in this film is where uh, Levin looks at two numbers and goes five nine five. It's not prime. <laughs> Four exactly. six two. That's what I was going to say. How it's not prime. Poss- how could she possibly be a mathematician? Right. Like you see, it ends in five, and it takes a five seconds to work out whether it's prime <laughs> yeah. or not. Ends in it's five or a two or that. an even number. It's not. Right. Yeah, forgiving those two. I mean, to be honest, if if you um, check Kazan's working, there's a lot of problems with what he does anyway. But his numbers are bigger, so no one does. But anyway, so uh, after all those, have we got anyone else? I think. Uh, and then there was the guy at the start, but we don't know anything about him. He just yeah. Gets do sliced. I mean, do we know anything about that? Because I was wondering if there's some significance to the guy at the start. Is he that just there to set the scene? I think he just. Yeah, sets the scene. I think he's just there to make us understand that people will die. And they will die horribly. And I think also, right, now, I do not like horror films. Like, no, I really, really hate them. I yeah. kind of don't even know whether I think they're okay. I'm like, why would you want to watch people suffering? I, I'm so with you. Know, you know, I've had this question before from, from a student of mine who asked, and, and I feel that it's my grandmother's fault. Um <laughs> <laughs> Because she found them hilarious, and so as a Did, I was going to say, she wants to lock you in a massive cube. No, she just she. I remember the first horror movie I ever saw I was about four years old, and I watched Rutger Hauer's The Hitcher. Four. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Four, four years old. Yeah, I can remember wow. it. watching Rutger Hauer's The Hitcher with her at like two a.m. in the morning, and a, a finger turns up in a guy's French fries. And I have never seen anyone laugh so hard at this finger. And... <laughs> <laughs> what kind of impact did that have on a I now, I life? now think they're all hilarious. So I didn't. It didn't Fantastic. even occur to me that Cube was a horror film. I want to get to the point you just said there, where, which is why do people watch horror films? Because it just gives a way of talking about social ills and problems in our lives without just being oh. Uh, uh, there are too many people. We can talk about zombies. We can kill zombies okay. without without worry. So, question for question for question for Lyle is: what, what do you think the point of this film is? Then, <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking about that as I was watching it last night because I haven't seen it in yeah. years, of course. And then I suggested mm-hmm. it, so mm-hmm. I, I put on my my critical hat and and because I thought we might address this question. Um, <laughs> Did your critical hat just sit on top of your head and slag you off? Yeah, it really kind of <laughs> does sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> You'll never be a Gryffindor. You'd never be good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, the the answer that came to me was that this movie is about adulting. It is absolutely adultery. Adulting, just <laughs> right? Okay. Being an adult, <laughs> growing up. You know, it, it's realizing that there is no structure. Yeah, in the universe. that everything is shit. I've got to agree. You're you're gonna die in the end, and yeah, I, I, I watched this many years ago, and when I was you know a teenager, I saw this, and it, I've got to say that that nihilistic bent of the film really spoke to the teenage Thomas. Go, yeah, yeah, it's all crap. Yeah. So I saw some somebody on the internet describe this as Kafkaesque. Yeah, Kafkaesque. Yes. Does that work for you? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's very that you know I'm trapped in a machine. I don't have control over who I am. There are all these. Yeah. You know I'm being pushed in this different direction. It's a maze which I don't know how it works, and I'm trapped yep. in who I am and what I do, and uh, trud just endless trudging, and you know. And then I'm stuck with people yeah. that I didn't choose to be stuck with. And <laughs> everybody's hiding something, you know, old Gregory House, everybody lies. And yeah. See, it, yeah. it, it, it reminded me a bit of Chekhov. Like, everyone's trapped in a big sort of... Hold on, pump. did you just name drop Chekhov? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, he was the guy in Star Trek. But, like, everyone's... <laughs> Everyone's, tra- everyone's trapped in a big country house for, you know, mm-hmm. 90 minutes or whatever, or three acts. And you haven't got a Scooby-Doo about what's going on. <laughs> um, and by the, by the end of sort of 90 minutes of badly translated Russian, mostly you don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't- but also, something turns up in the first scene, you know, so you you know got these numbers in the first scene, and then it turns out to be the most important thing at the end of the scene, and they could have circumvented the whole thing if they just used whatever it was in the first scene, in the last scene. Yep. 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 Sounds yep. about right. Liz, Liz, you had a point that you wanted to make about the horror aspect. Well, well I mean, all I was going to say about that was that actually, it, other than a few kind of hastily chucked in bits... It wasn't really a horror yeah, film. Yeah, as Lyle says, it's a bottle episode. It's more about the discussions, the talking, if you, and if the you com- death. But if you know, if you compare it to, to some horror films, and I have not watched many, um, my my equivalent to your four year old hitchhiker <laughs> is when I was eleven, <laughs> and my cousins let me watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. Um, and that night, I convinced myself. I was like, I get the film wasn't real, but what if it really happened? And like someone didn't want to say <laughs> that it had happened because they thought everyone would think they were crazy. So they kind of wanted to spread the message by making through, it into a films. film. And yeah. and then I was like, and now I'm going to go to sleep and, and die. And I had to go and sleep in my mum's bed. Um, and the, yeah, which I, I also had to do after watching The Blair Witch Project age 18 but anyway uh, but the Blair Witch Project was just a just a, a car crash of a movie <laughs> I've never it seen it it was just oh it. it's it's basically some people with no movie talent and a shaky cam running around <laughs> going it's coming for us it's what? coming for us run what run I liked, it's horrible <laughs> what I liked about the Blair Witch Project that I also liked about this film was that you could construct your own narrative around it yes and I yes. so slightly frustratingly before I watched it I did read the plots of cube two and cube zero ah, right. um, okay. but i wanted to ask everyone what is your version and it can either be what you actually think or a version yep. you've made yep. up of why they're there so it what's what's your like origin story of the cube 
they are there because they were trying to vote against Brexit. I think there's a line by Worth saying, there is no one in control. This is just a big machine that someone thought was a good idea at once, one point, and now it's just out of control. And I, I think that was a huge metaphor for Brexit. Carry on. <laughs> um, Benji, any thoughts? Um, I think it's what happens when a mathematician loses his shit. So, you know, after after 20 years of sort of getting turned down for grants at random and everyone mocking him about they, his they, fictional they wife, a cube. someone like Thomas will be like, hmm, now <laughs> I will make you all get into identical underwear and jumpsuits and we will put you in the crystal maze <laughs> <laughs> I, can I put out I, I, that would actually yeah that appeals that appeals yeah. it's what happens when you don't have ethics committees reviewing experiments <laughs> quite frankly I mean it's just a big this Stanford prison experiment yeah. so I thought perhaps it was an experiment but that all of the people getting killed so that I thought the mate perhaps they put these people in and all the people being killed is actually an illusion so it's ah. um so nobody actually because nobody people rarely die in the in the actual same room as each other um yeah. and that they were kind of like we just want to see how people are going to react in this situation so it's like a psychological big psychological test and then everyone like loses their shit and kills each other and yep. there's some um, behavioural scientists being like, fuck, Oops. this is going to be difficult <laughs> yeah, to explain. We can publish this bad boy. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's my thing that nobody's actually, nobody actually, the, the cube doesn't kill people. Interesting. It just makes them think that people are being killed. And at some point they've consented to it, but, um, to further um, medical science. Yeah. See, but yeah. now you're getting into the maze runner. What's the Maze Runner? I, I've, I've, no, I've saw the first one, thought it was terrible. Oh, it's terrible. I've read the books. It's really bad. It, it, yeah. There, there was a whole spate last year of teenage uh, dystopian dramas where you are, there's always one chosen one and only they can see or, or do something that no one else can and they are special because they're the teenager that's special. We all want to be the teenager that's special. <laughs> the Maze Runner is, you know, uh, a, a bunch of teenagers agree to be put in a maze but they get their memories wiped so they don't know so they w- wake up in a maze and they live there for months oh so they actually agree and to they're it. trying uh-huh. to get out and it is a big medical experiment yeah oh my god okay. i wrote a film that already existed <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure that's so impressive liz but actually so my 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 take on the whole thing is why they're there is this is purgatory oh blah okay oh, jj abrams yeah it's it's all very lost that <laughs> I, 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 again, never seen Lost because apparently I, I, I wait until these things finished and then because everyone said it had a terrible ending, I didn't bother. That it. would well now you know the ending, so you know spoilers. That's <laughs> it, yeah, unfortunately. But yeah, so that, that's what I see in the film is that um, yeah, it's it's purgatory and they get to choose whether they get out or not. Yeah. But Lyle, what, what, what? Sorry, Lyle, what do you think? Where was the cube physically meant to be? Don't know. It- they didn't know. They've speculated no. it was in New Mexico. Yeah. But they didn't know. The they like to put everything space. here in New Mexico because no one's ever been here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, one thing I do know about New Mexico is that everything has an orange filter over it. Well, yeah. It's called dirt. <laughs> Wouldn't you notice? No. In New Mexico, you could very easily drop a cube that size and not notice. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. For sure. Wow. So I, I, I was reading the sort of, you know, the bottom half of the internet about this film um and apparently they 
uh, it was all filmed in one set. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they, you know, the cubes were different colors, so there were some red green yeah. cubes and some green cubes. Well, no, no, no there wasn't. They things. only had one cube, and then they, they changed, changed the, the light. Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Um, so, but you know, in, in the in the plot, they have lots of different rooms. Oh, oh but yes, apparently, so. the lights were very difficult to change. Mm. So yes. they, but but they shot all the ones with one light first, mm-hmm. and then another light, which made everything be out of sequence for the actors. So it turned out that a lot of the sort of dialogue-heavy scenes were shot right at the beginning, yeah, and then a lot yeah. of them going, "Oh, I'm dead," was a lot <laughs> later on. With with the result that. It was very, very confusing for the actors. And given that we've never seen them in anything else before or since. Uh, oh, I beg to differ. It... Oh, come Every on. Every Dax in Deep Space Nine. David Thewlett holds up Stargate Atlantis. Uh, I, 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 I rest my case. You're Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> oh, not anything. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Show of hands, uh, who has seen Stargate Atlantis? Uh, me. All of them. Yeah, Ben has a point. I've seen I mean, the Stargate <laughs> film, the original one. I saw it in the cinema. I, yes, yes, yeah. And I saw the m- many of the original Stargate series. I never got to Stargate Atlantis. Well, he's wonderfully grumpy and wonderfully David Thewlett, so I highly recommend it. I don't like to be unkind. You know I don't like to be unkind. <laughs> but, but, you're, but you're just about to. I don't generally like to criticise films because I think, you know, a lot of people worked hard and it was someone's baby and it must be very sad. But I thought the acting was not the highest standard and i'm not no. saying they're bad actors i'm not saying say they're bad it, actors say it is i'm not because as i understand it from lyle many of them went on to have very successful careers but just i did they obviously were not at their best at this time but well i think i think part of the problem is as ben said they shot it out of sequence so they didn't really quite understand what they were meant to be doing at each part but let's get that segues nicely to in terms of quinton's characterization what was he meant to be he was meant to be a figure uh, of authority I and yeah. I, but no, he starts off he starts off cool calm right you do this and we'll get out don't worry i'm here i'm going to calm you down i'm i i can i can see the way out we all work together and then all of a sudden he starts killing people and making sexual advances do you this think kind of came out do you think nowhere. it's a metaphor for the development of the state carry on please tell the, st- the state kind of begins as kind of a benign force, um, kind of, you know, helping people out. And then kind of as time goes on, becomes more and more authoritarian. And out of nowhere, though. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, that you know, it's not even what I think. But maybe the people that made the film thought that. And But the, the thing is, like, all the other characters sort of just sort of droop into this lackluster, oh, we're all going to die, oh, well. He's the only one that has this bizarre characterization of, of going over the see, top. See, I don't, I didn't see it as out of nowhere. I see his, I, really? you see it from the very beginning um, because he insists on taking control of everything. Um, true, and true. so as long as he's in control and he thinks he's getting out, he's happy. But as it goes on, and remember they're in there for hours and hours and we know what, what sensory yeah. and yeah, time yeah. deprivation does to people. Um, especially when they're very, very tightly wound, which you get these sort of, you know, and this is the picture of someone who's a domestic abuser who, is, you know, mm-hmm. and, sure. and they can have this outward persona of, 
tranquility and I'm a peace officer and yada, yada, yada. And then once you peel away these layers, ah, they're actually so that was, mad, you know, they're... It was more of a facade. That initial oh, characterization yeah. is, is the... the they're very charming. Okay. Also, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem with American police officers. Because British police officers are, 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 you know, ineffective, stand around on street corners <laughs> giving um, directions. Whereas we all know from the movies that American police officers are alternatively very, very nice and then very, very nasty entirely at random. See, I've yeah, been very uh, well looked after by police officers in a lot of situations, so I'm not sure I can let that fly, Ben. It's, not, it's nice. It's the same guy has been told to play nice cop than nasty cop. He's just doing it in two halves of the same movie. Yeah, it's, it is that. I, I like the yeah, metaphor that yeah. Liz was saying about it, it being the representative of the state, but also you have layers of that too is, is representative of authority and representative of people who go, you know, we, we see a lot, you know, you give someone 20 bucks an hour and give them that much power and see what happens. As yeah, you say, yeah. we've seen it in countless, yeah. you know, Skinner's experiments and, Stanford prison experiments, as soon as you give someone the modicum of authority, it can go awry really quickly. Yeah, I mean, look at Donald Trump. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's not look at him. Uh, So what about the conspiracy theorist, whatever her name is? Holloway. Uh, The doctor, yeah. Doctor. But see, that's the thing. I, I saw her more of the breaking down kind of character going crazy because she starts more highly strong. Mm-hmm. But but she's just she's just quite highly strong, although it also super compassionate. Yeah. Like, see, most yes, doctors yeah, yeah. I know are exactly like that. They're like, you know, running around, you know, taking amphetamines. You know, I can't go back. But as soon as there's a medical emergency, I'm like, oh, I was gonna what say, seems to be the trouble. As soon as she had somebody to take care of, she chilled yeah. out. Yeah, as soon as Kazan comes in, she's ultimate professional. It was, mm-hmm. I, I thought she was fantastic, actually. I really liked her portrayal. Mm. Yeah, actually, I did think she, I thought she did quite well. Um, yeah, I take it back. Maybe she can act. <laughs> she chewed some of that scenery. I'm, ju- I'm sure they can all act. <laughs> there wasn't much scenery to chew with her. So, does anyone else have any more points they want to make about this wonderful, wonderful film? Well, there was just a line or two that reminded me of you, Tom, and I just just think, um, yeah, because at some point somebody says, "Well, you know, for Christ's sake, worth what do you live for? Do you have a wife or a, a girlfriend or something?" <laughs> and he said, "Nope, I've got a pretty fine collection of pornography." <laughs> I just wanted to know, you know, if the fictional wife gets too much, you know, you, you have people you could talk to. They're, they're fictional people, of course, but that's not yeah. going to be a problem for you. <laughs> fictional well, we, in a different sense. Well, our listeners are fictional. We're not fictional. We're really here. <laughs> well, maybe we're all part of a project just to keep Tom entertained. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Worth is like, I designed the shell of this, Yes, I was like... How much designing did a big cube take? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Did, did anyone get offended by the sort of, you know, the stereotypical portrayal of the autistic child? I was about to say, they pull out a lot of tropes in this one. Of, yeah. I mean, yeah. it was basically like Dustin Hoffman who yep. walked straight out of Rain yep. Man. To, There's no subtlety know. in this film. No, it, yeah. it is I mean, very much, um, you know, we've got some numbers here that we can't do in our head. Let's pull in an autistic person and they will magically. Yeah. It is the magic autistic yeah. person. Be- because obviously, all autistic people are mm-hmm. in fact magic. Yes. Yeah. And it's. <laughs> they it's, all it's have some kind of, savant quality. I, in no way, would claim to be a expert on autism at all. So I worked with autistic children for some part of my career. And a very good friend of mine had 
two autistic brothers um, and her parents kind of set up a charity. So I, I've mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. been around people who had experience of it, but I'm certainly not an expert. But I've always been a bit frustrated by this portrayal of people with autism as, as all being, like you say, kind of all being magic. Because on the one hand, it kind of slightly fetishizes autism in a way that doesn't isn't very human. You know, it's... And I think also it kind of slightly, you know, obviously people with autism and people who care for people with autism have a range of experiences and kind of being like every one of them is magically mathematical and it's all amazing um is yeah i just i'm always kind of like oh really like could we not do that perhaps but the other the other thing i thought you'd pick pick up on was the like extraordinary sexism in the uh, end of it there's oh do you know what? I actually didn't think it was too bad. No. God, have I have I just been so desensitized by all these fucking mathematical films where there's no women? <laughs> I was just like, there are three women in it, two women in it. Hang on, maybe wait. it was just that. Maybe two. it wasn't the sexism. It was just the way they um, described it. Because somebody said at one point, "Ah, oh, we fit like numbers: a, a man and a woman, two halves of an equation." Mm, that was a little irritating. <laughs> Isn't that Quentin when he's trying to pull? What's the face, though? Yeah. Yeah, that got gross. <laughs> is that not the first thing you do? If you were in a freaky crystal maze, you know, run over by the establishment and sort of cheese wire about to cut you to death with sort of sound traps, <laughs> what's the, would the first thing you not do would take off all your clothes so you're in your underwear and then try to seduce the hot young lady? And there was no seduction there, Ben. There was, it was pure creepiness. Do you know what well, I would do? Yeah. In that situation, genuinely, yeah. I would take off my shoelaces and I would take everyone else's shoelaces and maybe their clothes if I needed to and I would hang myself (laughs) because I would not because I know it's obvious you're not getting out you know it's just not gonna happen so and I I would a want to be in control of it I'm like fuck you you don't get to kill me I'm gonna choose but also it's probably less awful than you know, you've already seen two people die really horrifically. So you're just like, do you know what? I accept we're not going to get but out. But isn't isn't there that that? I mean, one of the again a, ho- a, a trope of many films is that human. The difference between humans and many other animals is hope. hope. If hope yeah. drives you, if there is a glimmer, a, a, no matter how small, you will work towards it and, and not but just give up. Why would you play in this situation? I mean, let's say you ended up in the maze and it became fairly clear fairly quickly that the maze was trying to kill you why would yeah. you not just stay exactly where you were because somebody's you'd put you in your maze well no but if somebody's put you in the maze which they obviously have either they're looking to kill you in which case you know you're gonna die anyway or they're not looking to kill you in which case you might as well just sit down and not play the game or do they not i mean is there not a third option that you know they kind of want to test you say well we'll probably kill you my but guess is, is as from a storyteller perspective, if you had a character who chose that option, I would quickly change <laughs> I would quickly change the cube so that you could only be in each cube a certain length of time before yeah, the cube idea. itself kills you. You storytellers just make it up as you go along. We d- well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, 
I'm going to hand this I'll... one to Lyle. If you did have a characters all in a room saying, well, I'll just sit here, that wouldn't be no, a great story. It really <laughs> wouldn't. This is the problem with stories, okay? You know, stories, you just do anything you like. Mathematics, it's like, well, I, I, uh, well these numbers don't factorise. Oh, just pretend they do. Submit my paper. But, you know, no, we, we, we can't, can't do just that. do anything we like. There has to be a logic to it. With your choose your own adventure hypertext, it's like, well, what happens if the dwarf dies by the end of it? Well, nobody cares, you know? You su- submit your next book for peer review, then you'll realise how difficult life is like. There's, there's, Lyle has done a lot of research. There's always an underlying logic, and there's always, it's always about truth to a character. So you'll notice that, yeah, we can make up, we can make up this crazy cube, right? We can put them in a maze. We can shoot acid in people's faces and have all this. Yeah, sort we of should stuff. not do that, Lyle. It's <laughs> not okay. <laughs> well, we can. No, she's saying as, we can. as storytellers, we, I mean, and and the, we have a, a phrase that we go by, which is kill your darlings. You're always supposed to kill ah, your darlings. Yes. You're supposed yeah. to be ah, the... mean to your characters because nice things happening to nice people is really boring, as you say. So um, this, is this the George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin principle? You yeah. haven't read Anna Green Gables or Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day or seen Sister Act, where frankly it's just delight. <laughs> Everyone's lovely and delightful well, things happen throughout. It does start off with a murder. Yeah. I, I just think you have it easy. You know, you publish something, and if you're lucky, you go to a nice party with cheese and wine, <laughs> and you read an extract for your book in front of a load of sort of, you know, supportive Man, you audience. you have a romantic of ideal you... of authorship. <laughs> Half of whom you've rhymed. You know, uh, whereas Tom and I were stuggy at gut stuff, and then somebody said, no, I don't like it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're the director of a film... Then, you know, you put all of your heart and soul into it, you mortgage your house, and then some bitches on a podcast come up and they're like, I didn't think the acting was very good. Mm-hmm. Have um, you ever written a, um, a screenplay or anything, actually? Yeah, just yeah to... I spent some time in LA. What? Wow. So, so on a film like this, how much do you think was already written? Most how of much do they say, well, yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, okay. absolutely. This one would have been pretty tightly scripted, especially because mm-hmm. you don't have... It was shot in 20 days, so they didn't have time to rewrite it. yeah. You don't have any budget. Um, and so, you know, if you have a lot of budget, you can have a lot of time for unscripted things. I'm trying to think of, um, it was, I'm trying, there's a Tom, oh, um, Mad Max, the last Mad Max film. Very, very, very loosely scripted. Not much script at all. But you've got right. amazing actors, right? You've got Tom Hardy, you've got Charlize Theron, you've got Nicholas Holt. And so you know that you can kind of give your actors a character and set them a bit free to do. And obviously there's not much dialogue going on in Fury yeah. Road. I was, was going to say, there's not, they don't talk much. <laughs> and, you know, some comedies. You can turn a Robin Williams loose on a set and you know you're going to get gold. How do, do writers get, like, paid for the work? Not or, enough. You know, do, do you just sort of write... Do, uh, <laughs> But do you just write down sort of, you know, ad lib and then you don't have to worry about it? No, not at all. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Most things are very, very tightly scripted, especially because it comes down to budget and and things like that. Actually, screenwriting is probably one of the most formulaic and uh, methods of writing and and genres of writing there is because there's so much money involved. Um, Mm -hmm. And And then I suppose it comes down to the director of how much freedom he gives his actors over the material. Absolutely. I mean, you get you get crews. I mean, it's why you see a lot of comedy teams work together a lot, um, because in why Woody Allen likes to work with the same and not that I think Woody Allen's great, but um, you see a lot of the same teams because they know they can 
turn certain people loose on a character on a set and, and, and they're going to get some good stuff. And so they know who they're working with. Um, if you yep. Yep. don't have as much of that, then you really, I mean, Rid- the Judd Apatow. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, a, you know, Ridley Scott him. had Blade Runner rewritten 900 times to get the, the script that he wanted. Yeah, so. yeah, but I mean, also Cube was rewritten many, many times. If you look at the Wikipedia page, it says, you know, originally it started out with them all being um, accountants, which I quite <laughs> like the idea. <laughs> Put Terry Pratchett's yeah. auditors in a cube and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. I mean, you've obviously listened to all our first series of podcasts uh, available on our website. And, <laughs> and we're, we're now uh, going to do a quiz for you. Um, so uh, <laughs> pencils at the ready. And any question you get wrong, we kill you. What do you think in general of the sort of, the, you know, the way that maths is included, uh, or science in general, is included in in in, in movies. Well, do, you think, do you think this is a question for the math zone? No, I, I think this is still in the movie zone. Okay, side of it. then well, you crack well, on. Hang on, hang on. Okay, let's let's play with the rules of narrative. I'll ask it now. Okay, and we'll see in the edit which zone it ends up. <laughs> we'll have up a callback later. Okay. Answer any answer any question you like. By the way, because it doesn't matter. You know, we're just <laughs> it's all but, in the editing. Know, we, Okay, so, you know, we've often had problems with the, the you know, the, the depiction of mathematics mm. as, you know, idiot savant or, um, you know, mentally handicapped or, or however, however it happens to be. So, so you know, what, what, what do you think of the trope in general? Have you seen much I'm, of ju- it? I'm just very pleased about how you pronounce savant. <laughs> right, you got to put that <laughs> accent on there. There are the two sides, right? So... Um, you have, yes, it would be great to have accuracy and it would be, you know, there, but, but you're looking at audiences and audience numbers and particularly in films. And quite frankly, most films don't have any sort of consultant. Um, the, the films and TV shows that have a science or math consultant are actually pretty rare. Could I just point out, by the way, that I am available (laughs) and I do not charge. (laughs) They will pay. Right. Um, okay, actually, good. but, but can, on this point, can I, I have been yeah. a consultant, and what I found is that often we're ignored. Yes, oh. no, often you're ignored. I don't get <laughs> it's a matter of you know directors just caring about a story, or you know, most of my you know for the the five percent of my audience who might know better here, I don't care. I'm just going to get the the story across, or they don't even yeah. know yeah. that what they're saying is inaccurate, right? Um, the one that drove me nuts was um, Luke Besson in um, what the Scarlett Johansson, whichever one it was. Which oh, the Lucy yes, was it? Yes, Lucy, where, where you she, have she turns into a memory stick at the end. Freaking Morgan Freeman the entire way through the film, telling us how we only use ten percent of our brains, and I'm like uh, throwing yes. things. I was like, why would evolutionarily <laughs> speaking, why would we use sixty percent of our energy on an organ where we only use ten percent of it? So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it drives me insane from a science perspective. And also because it's not that hard. We all have Wikipedia um, to get some yeah. things right. I, I actually can't watch horror films without it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the very famous myths that came out of this was the whole um, Lemmings Jump Off Cliffs. Yeah. And that was propagated by Disney, essentially pushing Lemmings off a cliff. Oh, yeah. Wait, Lemmings so, don't jump off cliffs? No. Sorry, Liz. So do you do you not think it's important to at least get mathematical accuracy in? You know, if you're uh, if you're if you're making a film about a mathematician, or a, you know, making a you know biopic, or a uh, you know a, a story of a fake mathematician. So for most filmmakers or for most storytellers, it would come down to how much does it cost me to get this right 
versus <laughs> versus the fact that most 99% of my audience isn't even going to know that it's wrong. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So you say it's cheaper for them to just get it wrong and suffer a few complaints from people like me and Tom. Yeah. That yeah. is too. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird though because actually, I mean, genuinely, a lot of films that talk about maths could get someone who was just studying a maths degree. I mean, they could get a student to come and, and do their maths and they could pay them like <laughs> dinner. You know, they could let <laughs> they them eat Tom give Hanks them consultant and... credit. Most of them would come. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But so it's just, I... it's a hassle that if they can just throw up, I mean, good God, look at Doctor Who. That's just full of craziness. And yet, whoa, 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 like... whoa, 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 whoa! Are we cussing down Doctor Who because that is not okay? I mean, the so difference is the difference. The difference is Doctor Who it's is a time lord who's lived forever, whereas a lot of mathematics is actually real. Ben, 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 he has not lived forever. He's about eleven hundred. There is an idea we have to have a rules. And so with those rules intact, <laughs> let us go to the math zone. The math zone! While we've been talking, I've actually thought of a new maths question, which might not even be a maths question, but it is a question for Lyle, and oh no. I'm kind of interested in it. As um, story as mathematical formula. Mm. We um, were actually talking about we this. We were. Yeah. yeah. Do you think, could you... Do you? Can you? Do people? Do like fucking Pixar um, have like a formula yes. that they're like, right, good film, boom, absolutely, freaking lutely. There is Could what they, they call yes. There is what they call Pixar has has a bible. Um, the probably the most famous book in Hollywood for screenwriting is Sid Field's. I don't even know what the title of it is, but it, they call it the Bible of screenwriting. And it tells you what needs to happen by which minute, you know, on what. Really, what it's page. broken down that much. Oh yeah. So I, I was thinking more of the broader sense, you know, the um, hero with a thousand faces kind of idea. But you're saying there's even at twelve minutes, you've got to hit this beat. At yep. thirteen minutes, hit. Wow. Yep. Absolutely formulaic. Could you explain the concept of a beat in a story? Because so I listened to another podcast called Dusted. Actually, oh God, I'm just revealing every nerdy thing about me which is a kind of episode by episode review of Buffy the Vampire Slayer which is well, the best thing wrong with that they are they are bringing it back I just it's, oh, it's just so difficult because I just I loved it and I'm not sure I'm going to be okay with it we all feel but, that way um, you're not alone the late okay. series took a dive the late um, the thing the thing is this though that nobody knows who you are so that's true, yeah, that's you are true, enigmatic but I, well, I'm, I'm. This is my, this is my confessional. I mean, I, I love Doctor Who and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm a massive nerd, and don't even get me started on the X Files. Loved it. Oh, Although, I jumped the shark yeah. very early. Quintessential viewing is the X Files. Julian Anderson, yeah. is the goddess. You two really should go on holiday together. <laughs> I mean, seriously, let's. I would. I could come to New Mexico, yeah. and we could just like build a huge thing in the desert. We've got plenty <laughs> of room. Know. Just do it away from the nuclear silos. Okay. <laughs> anyway, what was my point? Right. So I listened to this podcast called Dusted, um, which actually has has now ended. But um, but they kind of do, they they talk about like it's story beats done a lot. And dusted is it? Uh, <laughs> um, can you explain what we mean by story beat? Okay. So this is a, there's an overarching um, story structure, and this goes all the way back to Aristotle. Um, that that all stories right start off, and you can graph it. Uh, and we do. We, we visualize it with this sort of graph that, that all stories have um, an arc 
that you know we in, we get introduced to the story, we get introduced to the character, and we get what's called an inciting incident, uh, which is the thing that sets the the story off. So, so it, it's Gandalf coming to Bilbo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or in the cube, it, it it honestly the inciting incident for the cube has happened before the film even starts. It's putting the people in the cube. Uh, and activating the I mean, cube. this is the thing. I mean, all these rules are in place, but you can play around with Absolutely. them. So even though that incite, in that instance, ha- it's got to have happened at some point. Yep. And so, and honestly, you could also place a different inciting incident on the cube is when uh, two characters bec- join one another in a single cube. And so that okay, sets off yep. a personal character storyline. Um, and then you have rising action, which is the, you know, you have higher and higher consequences, right? As we go through the mm, cube, Quentin mm. gets more and more crazy and we get, you know, we, we could all just stay in the one cube, but he's like, no, we have to go. We have to find our keep way moving, out, right? Keep moving, yeah. Um, and so you have all this rising pressure, people die, you know, it gets closer and closer. All of a sudden we're but not... Along with that, you have rising hope because, you know, along with keep moving, you've got Levin who, is, who understands the uh, the cube more and yeah. more. So they think they can get it. Exactly. Out. So you're getting closer. And then the big climax, right, which... Um, is always it's always the question you're always asking throughout the the story is what's the worst thing that could happen, and the climax <laughs> yeah for this particular it's character half hour of this movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> so for this particular character for their you know what they want where where they're trying to get their their personal conflict and a motivation what's the worst thing that could happen and then are you then once you've asked that do you throw it at yes them? that's the climax would be what's the worst thing that could happen so for david oh, Thulin's okay. character for worth the worst thing that could happen is they all find out who he is and what he did and so oh. the climax for him is when they you know he's in this shouting match right with quentin and he reveals that he designed the outer cube he was an architect yeah yeah so his do you know what i Sorry, going back to the film, which I know we've already talked about, but Math Zone is Math Zone. Sorry, but I was like Editing Tom, editing (laughs) We have rules, Liz. I was just like, is this honestly they could have made him a lot worse. You know, he decides the outer cube, he doesn't he he doesn't know what it's gonna be used for. Like he doesn't know what else is inside. He seems to know they're putting people in for a couple of months, but it's kind of a bit too late by then anyway. Yeah. Well, he needs um, to be redeemable. And that's the thing. Quentin is not redeemable, so we're okay when he gets squished. But, oh, I didn't watch that bit. Uh, okay. Well, he, he yeah, he gets grotesquely squished. Um, oh, that was a good fun bit. And but Worth needs to be. He needs to be. We need to question him, and that's I like that they named him Worth. Uh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. of that. Because this is the good line. You know, what are you worth? Worth? Yeah, is but I didn't think we, oh, I didn't think he was bad. And like uh, uh, to me, he didn't really do anything bad. You know, if he'd kind of been had like some role and then been like, well, and I I now realize how terrible it was. You know, that he's he's redeemable because he actually has a proper moment of catharsis yeah. rather than being like, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. exactly because he doesn't really. He was always, he's kind of like, oh, I knew for a couple. You know, I didn't know what I was designing. And then for a couple of months, I kind of knew they were putting people in here, um, which is interesting because it means they're not the first. Yep. True. True. Um, who, who does the cleaning? It's <laughs> a great question, man. Well, no one, because that guy's still in there when they find him. You know, like yeah. the, the uh, Ren. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's still um, there. So His um, face is still melted off. And I did actually think that, like, when do they go in and, you know... Well, once everyone else killed. And these are all yeah, questions as that, as a writer, we're glad you're asking. Um, because we don't want... You actually don't want to answer the audience's... All of their questions, because it makes them more interested in it, right? It's it's 
It's Ridley Scott better never, ever tell us if Deckard is actually a replicant because we would go insane, right? I hate this when authors sort of just... Authors just say, like, when it could be, it could not be. And it's just, you obviously haven't thought about it. It's just... No, we have. I think it's they just have laziness. to play a fine line, though, because they have to give you enough information to keep you curious, but yep. not enough to then you want to seek the answers. Because they gave you no information. You go, well, I'm bored. I'm yeah. Like, I think... I, I, I don't line. think that... I don't think a story can only be satisfying if you know it, if it answers all your questions. I agree. Yeah, like, sometimes some of my it favorite. makes it unsatisfying. But, okay, so... I think I've said this before in the podcast, but the, the, the classic one for me was the X Fa- X Files. The X Factor. And you watch. It's the it's the, it's the, it's the X Factor. It's where um, FBI operatives. Who is going to win the be... public vote? <laughs> yes, is it Mulder or is it Scully? Uh, no, the X <laughs> the X Files, and it, you know each individual episode was good or not because it was essentially quite you know individual. Uh, but there was a there, moving there was... back to the cube and the math zone that we're. Oh, yes, the master, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, a beat. You asked about, what is a beat, Lyle? What is a, what each, is a beat? Yeah. Each, it's hard to explain a beat without knowing an, what a narrative arc is, because within each narrative, you have smaller narrative arcs. So you have chapters, and you have scenes, and even within the a scene... The all-is-lost moment. Yeah, so it, you don't want everything to be even keel and just to go, you know, to be at the same level throughout the entire film. So you have yes. beats, you have the, the moments of conflict and, and resolution, right? So we have the moment of, we should all stay in this cube, no, we should move on, and then it gets resolved. So that's a beat. Um, the beat of uh, Worth and Quentin getting into it and we find out who Worth is and what he did. I suppose, I suppose that's the beat, beat then is, is what drives the next action. Yes. You know, how do we resolve this next action? Exactly. Would you say that a beat is the smallest unit of a story? Generally, oh, yes. Interesting. The smallest complete oh. unit, yeah. It's, it's sort of like the atom of a story. It's totally interesting. This is why we have um, Lyle on. This is why we have Lyle on. <laughs> guys, you guys just... You guys need to get a room. We'll just get a podcast. <laughs> we can do that. You're welcome to come on my Lyle, podcast. I will ditch these guys. <laughs> actually, no, Lyle yeah, does have do. a podcast. Lyle does actually have a podcast. Do you? Oh, yes, you're wasted here. You're wasted here. <laughs> go, go and join her. Lyle, you've got 30 seconds to plug your oh, podcast. Oh, gosh, go that's a long it. time. Uh, Wonderbox. This is the math zone, people. The math. The virtual <laughs> plug at the end. Hey, but. The there's, no, there's no math in the movie. We've got plenty of time. Does that count as part of my 30 seconds? <laughs> Apparently. No, it's not a game. <laughs> oh no, I have a I have a podcast with one of my uh, graduate students uh, called Wonderbox, and it's all on digital and speculative fiction. So we we focus on a lot of what digital fiction is and and what you've seen of it and how it works and where you can find it and you know so all that fun stuff. So we've had one series you out. We'll have at least one more listener from Liz. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So we have one series I need a out. New podcast. It's. Well, it's it's me and Jordan talking at each other, and occasionally we we drift into crazy stuff. So, um, and we always talk for far too long. So, I know the feeling yeah. how hard it is to edit down rambling. Sorry, <gasps> math zone, math zone. <laughs> okay, math zone! um, so okay, I have a math question, and it's a proper okay. math question from the film. Right. Um, how does your woman? Work out how I was to just get taking out. A drink of water, though I spat it out. <laughs> I couldn't remember her name. I understand that she, so she works out that the, so it's a cube. So it, there are it, every space has three coordinates. Mm-hmm. Yes, I get that. You have like a, you have three axes and x, y, and z. Yeah, yeah. And that she said she deduces 
it's a 26 by 26 cube and she finds a coordinate that is 27 which yes. means that there must be a square outside the cube yeah which probably links you to the outside world yes fine how does she then plot Path. Yes, that was my question as well. Because if the cubes are moving, the coordinates mean nothing. Oh no, oh, no, no! They they do cover this, but I will. We do need to start from best basic point of view that they try and conflate three different things you can do with numbers all into these numbers that you see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So although all, although numbers can do all these different things, the fact that these three numbers do all these things probably not possible. Unless you, well, maybe I, I won't say never because someone probably could create this, but. No, no, I, I can prove it doesn't work, so we'll come to that. <laughs> well, well, okay, excellent. Right. So the first thing you do is if you... The traps are um, highlighted by if the room is numbered with a prime number. Yes. Oh, wait, that's what she thinks it is, and then it turns out not to be. But that, that was... The, yeah, this doesn't make sense. So she says that if the room has a prime number, it's trapped, or if it's a power of a prime. Yes. So nine, if it, nine was on a room, it would be trapped because three squared, power of a prime. Right, okay, fine. So then she notices that the positions are, if you add up the digits, so each number is three digits, and there are three these mm. three digit numbers. If you add up those, you get three coordinates, and they give you the X, Y, Z. Then she notices, I, and I'm not quite sure where this, because like I say I just go to bunk them at this point, that if you subtract them and add them and then multiply by the first number you thought of, you get a sequence <laughs> of numbers which tells you the permutation of where the room will be. Oh, so yeah. you can have a sequence of numbers like 1, 2, 3, and that says that in the first position, your room will be 1, in the next position it will be 2, in the second position it will be 3, and then it will go back to 1. So it will just keep oscillating around this this circuit of 1, 2, 3. So, but how do you know where you are at any one time? Because they know they get to the wall at some point, they can see out, they know that they're at the 26th position. So she can then probably plot back from there. So if it, so point you in your list of numbers you have 4926 4926 4926 you know you're at the 26th position i don't understand that so, so like i say you know how you have this string of numbers and that string of numbers mm. tells you where you are yeah they got to the edge and so that 20 they would be at 26 yeah and so they know exactly where they are in their list of numbers because they know they get to 26 but at one point she says we're now seven cubes from the edge how the heck did she know they were seven cubes from the edge <sighs> because the coordinate the coordinate was 19 yes so she assumed she was seven cubes for the edge. This was before they worked out the things they, they, moving they, around. There's a lot of assumptions going on here. Yes. It's math magic. So, yes. Yeah. No, you're quite right. You're quite right. When they found they were in room number 19, they could have been seven from the edge, or they could have been in a different position of that cube's position, exactly. and it could have been anywhere. Yeah. But luckily, they were seven from the edge. It's, knew? it's math is magic at a certain level. <laughs> but it's, it's Asimov. Any sufficient, any sufficiently advanced science is is magic. So this this factorizing, uh, this prime factorization is very easy to do because you're only factorizing numbers up to a thousand. Yeah. Yes, because they're all okay. three digits. So any mathematician worth her salt would have been able to do it. I don't know. Um, I I don't think I would have got it right every time. Wait, 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 wait. Two hundred and eleven. No chance. Forget it. <laughs> Two and right. Hold on. Right. I will, I will not edit this bit down. 211, I am now going to try and work 211 out. is not divisible by 2. No. Okay? True. It's not divisible by 3. It's not divisible five, by five. 5. 7. How do you know it's not divisible by 3? Because the numbers don't add up to 3. Uh, so 2 plus 1 plus 1 gives you 4. If it's divisible by 3 and you add it up, you get something divisible by 3. So let's say 27 divisible by 3. 2 plus 7 is 9. See, this is why we do the oh, podcast. That was very educational. I like that trick. Ah, it's divisible by... It's not divisible by 7. No, never mind. 
See, I would have got someone killed there. I would have got someone killed. Is it divisible by 11? Uh, we don't you, know. Can, I can give you an easy trick by 11. If you add and subtract the numbers consecutively, and that number is divisible by 11, then the original one is. So let's say 121. 1 mm-hmm. minus 2 plus 1 gives you 0, which is divisible by 11. Therefore, 121 is divisible by 11. 211, is it divided by 13? No, it's not. Uh, okay, is it divisible by 17? No, it's not. How do you know it's not? I'd say that I'm, I'm lost now. I just did it in my I, head. I can't do divisible by 17. You're all magic. Uh, 17 is 17 times 10 is 170. Yeah. And then 41, which is left over when you subtract 170 from 211, is not divisible by 17. Ben is a far better arithmetic than I am. Yeah, but it's like, okay, you might have to spend a few minutes doing it, but we, you know, I've just thought, you know, 211 is not divisible by 19 because 190 is, and 211 is 21 more than 190. And then we can stop because we know that um, if a you see, number I, has... I just Googled and it tells me that 211 is a prime number. But exactly, okay. <laughs> well, that's what have solved everything in the cube. It's not going to take us an awful long time to do it. It's but, not but, easy. But one wrong easy, answer but... and you're dead. Well, then just get two people to check that's it. That's what the boots were for. That's true. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, actually, you're right. It's it's not that difficult because you just you just square prime numbers. What? Well, well, you just well, try, yeah, not square yeah. prime numbers. You, you, can you try and fit cubes. prime numbers. It's just tri- it's just trial and error, which is the only way that well, we know of, we know of, we know of to of. find prime numbers. What's the square root of a thousand? Approx. Ten. Uh, no, that's, no, that's a square root. Sorry, <laughs> cube, cube root, root. of a thousand. About thirty-three or something, isn't it? Um, yeah. So nine hundred is thirty. So, in fact, they only have to go up to what, like. One. But you could also have cubes and also uh, um, yeah. fourth powers and fifth powers. So two to the power five. Oh, so, so it's the two. power of a prime. Yeah, but you know all the ones for two because it's two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-six, you know, three, nine, twenty-seven, eighty-one, etc. So there's not that many which are. So, so ladies, when when you build your cube in New Mexico, could you put Ben in and just see if he survives? <laughs> yeah. So wait, 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 wait. When Kazan is saying how many factors they have. Yes, yeah. Yes. That doesn't tell you whether they're, it's a power of it's, a prime. It's a power of prime. No, it doesn't. It doesn't completely. You're because correct. you could yeah. say 49. Ah, and that's but, got but, two... I think I think what Kazan is doing is telling you number of distinct ah, I see. factors. Yeah. So I think that's what he was doing. Well, like I say, he got it wrong anyway, but that's, I think, what they were meant to be doing. Why does he get it wrong? There are a number of, I, some people have gone through with calculators and checked, and there are a couple of times when he gets the number of factors wrong. There's there's a problem with this um with the whole mathematical setup. A whole okay, load so of problems. <laughs> All right. So there's the, the each room is numbered by three sets of three digits. So yes. you know it might be you know two three five four six eight five seven one. Yes. Okay. And you add up. So you've got the first three are the x coordinate. The first three are the y coordinate. The next three are the z coordinate. Okay. Yep. So you add up the, the first three. So let's say it's two three five. We add those digits together and we get ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which tells us the x coordinate is 10. Yep. Okay. So we're told at one point that one of the rooms is in tw- is 27. Yes. The only way to get 27 is 999. Yeah? It is. It is. Yes. The only way to get 27 is 999. So we've got one coordinate system. Yep. The other coordinate system, which they do mention very briefly, but is a bit passed over, is how these things move around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that, that room so, would never move because it would be 999. Right. G- ben, you're a genius. That, it's not mine. I'll, I'll link to the people ah. people on the internet. that um, Somebody came up with this on a GeoCities website. Do you remember oh GeoCities? Back in the wow. day. GeoCities. 
They would have yeah. been prime, well, prime real estate on the web when uh, Cube came out. Yeah. 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 Wow, Jesus. But that, that's, Ben, you've ruined this film. Well done. So the whole film is impossible. Yeah, the whole film is, is uh, yeah. garbage. Right, Liz, any new maths questions? Well, I, do you know what? Not really, because all I was really going to say more is, what's wrong with the film? <laughs> what's wrong with the maths? To be honest, yeah, um, there, there's yeah, there, there wasn't much math. It's a good film to pretend to be a mathematician, but there's not much there. There's no maths in it. No. It's just got prime numbers. It's just magic. So the fact, the fact that we have only had a short math se- session then probably worth it. <laughs> to the puzzle zone. Yay. To the puzzle zone. Okay, so last week we uh, we watched uh, Fermat's room where there was lots and lots and lots of puzzles, lots of lovely puzzles. And There's also a the T at the end of his name, Tom. Fermat. 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 Lots of puzzles. And one of them was the puzzle that was taken out of Labyrinth. The idea that you have two doors, two guards, one always tells the truth, one always lies, and you have cast one question and you want to know which of the doors that they're guarding is the true, uh, the true door to uh, freedom and one is the door to death. And in that case, you ask them... If I asked which door is the good door to the other two, uh, the other guard, which one would they point to? And by using that and deducing what the answers could be, you always figure out that the other guard will give you the wrong door, and therefore you pick the other door. So it, it's just a very simple trick. Now, my twist on this was I gave you three guards. One guard always tells the truth, the second guard always lies, and the third guard, randomly, 50-50% of the time, will tell the truth and will tell a lie. Now, you have two questions this time. What are the two questions you ask of the guards that will tell you which of the two doors they're guarding is the true door to salvation? Okay, yes, Liz, can you take your headphone off a second? We'll do this. What are you going to do? We're going to play the guards. Oh, okay, that's super fun. Although, can I first tell you what I think I would really do? I would take off... Take my shoelaces out. I'll take everyone else's shoelaces out. <laughs> Very nice. Anyway, uh, all right. So, I'm going to take my headphones. I'm going to take my headphones out. Okay, so take take it off. I will wave to you when we're ready. Okay. Now, um, Ben. Yes. You will always lie. Okay, Lyle. Yes. Okay. Always tell the truth. All right. I will flip for whether I tell the truth or lie each time, and we'll say that door A is the door to freedom. Okay. So we all know that door to freedom is A, (laughs) door to death is B. Uh, Lyle, you always tell the truth. Ben, you always lie. And I will say 50-50. Right. I will wave. Wave, 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 wave. Hello. Hello. Do you know what? I was was on holiday last week. And I I was like, I really should think about that puzzle. And I didn't. (laughs) And I'm now annoyed with myself. And now you're in a room (laughs) trapped with a logic puzzle. Yeah. So here's the setup, Liz. One of us... Ben, Lyle, or myself will always tell the truth. One of us, Ben, Lyle, or myself will always lie. And one of us, Ben, Lyle, or myself will tell you the truth 50-50% of the time. You have two questions, and we have two doors behind us. Door A and door B. What are your two questions to find the door to salvation? And who would you like to say them to? Now, I assume it doesn't matter who I say them to. Although, well... It matters whether I say them to the same person. I mean, you're quite right. From your point of view, Ben, myself, and Lyle, we're all the same. So it has to be a question that works in all contexts. Yeah. Ben, who always tells the truth? I do. Am I, have I, am I anywhere near? You're one question down and you're nowhere near. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's a good question. 
Um, it's not. It's really not. You're a bad question. <laughs> um, let, let's think about what you've said. So Ben could be telling the truth, and you know he's the truth teller, and he always uh-huh. does the tell the truth. Or he could be lying, and therefore always telling, you know, lying as he does. Or he could be 50 50. Okay. So I'm now going to ask Ben again. Right. Ben, which is the right door? <laughs> I can't remember what the door is. Say door B. No, door wait, B. no, I'm not going to ask him that. I'm not going to ask him that. I'm not going to ask him that. I think this is hard, Tom. I think it is, it is very, very hard. Very hard. Essentially, essentially, you have to do the similar thing. You have to encode your question to learn about the other two people. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking, right? So I started off thinking, well, maybe I should. Maybe the first thing I should say was, what door? Can it have two answers? So can I say yeah, what? Yeah, you can have many what, answers, but they should always tell would, you something. So what door would the other two tell me? Kind of, kind of like that. Because I mean, one way you can do it is you can say, is exactly one of these statements true? You are the, you are the truth teller or you're the 50-50 person. And therefore that tells you something about both those statements, depending on what answer you get. I was wondering the question of to ask, would the other two people... Is there what possibility would the other two people tell me the same answer? But I mean, I, it might work. You'll have to show me you're working out, Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> but so there is another probabilistic way you can ha- head towards this. So if you ask the person, if I asked which door is the good door to the other two guards, would their answers be the same? Now, if you don't get an answer or you the person can't tell, then you know that they're either the truth teller or the false person because they can't say whether the the person 50-50% of the time would give you a... That's kind of what I was aiming at. can do it completely logically, but I do like that that, uh, head in because it's using something about the situation that you know that you have that uh, 50-50 chance. So I I like that. But as I say, I'll write it all up on the website so you can see all the possible answers. In the meantime, Ben, it is your turn to give us a teaser. Right, I'm going to set you a, um, a slightly easier question. I have a clock... Uh, and it has uh, two hands. It's a, it's an analog clock. Let me just check. The, the two hands are an hour hand and a minute hand. Just to check. Yes, he says hour hand and a minute hand. Okay. okay. In the course of one day, how many times do does the hour hand and the minute hand point to the same uh, place? So how many so times? So starting at midnight when they're when then they're over each other. Yeah. How many times back to that next midnight do yeah. they cross each other? Yeah. That's it. Very nice question. Um, Very nice. And for a bonus question. I've wired the clock up wrongly <laughs> so that the minute hand uh, moves backwards. How many times does the minute hand and the hour hand interlap in 24 oh, hours? Oh, so, so, so the hour's going forward and the minute's going backwards. Exactly, yes. Ooh, ooh See, and interesting. I, I'll give you a clue, okay? The minute hand and the hour hand in the correctly wired way are yep. go, moving apart from each other are are, are traveling slower than they are in the other way okay so you'd expect you'd expect the second answer to be more yeah that's 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 interesting any any ideas from the audience here? i would think it you they would be in the exact same position 24 times because it's once an hour in the second part that's it if they're both going the right direction if they're going different directions i wouldn't make it twice an hour but that's just my first instinct and i don't think i could show my work on that one yeah but i think with with these ones you have to sort of there's going to be one where it doesn't cross twice like a midday where 
there's two conflated into a single crossing, but I'm not sure. It's a good question, though. It's a good question. So I would remove my shoelaces. <laughs> <laughs> How do you survive on a daily basis? <laughs> I, do you know, I wear slip-ons. I mean, that's honestly true, I do. <laughs> it's the only thing saving her from death. Yeah. And with that, let's go to the scores. Yeah. And so we come to the end of the show. Could you all give me a random scaling and a random point upon that scaling to tell me how much you liked both the film as an entertainment piece and as a mathematical piece? Liz, Lyle, Ben, who wants to start me off? Uh, I'll go because I've worked out scale this week. Excellent. Um, so I am going to uh, score it out of seventeen thousand five hundred and seventy-seven. <laughs> I like it. Which is which is what the number of cubes in the cube? The number of cubes, exactly. Yes, yeah. And so, um, for the film, um, I don't like a horror film. I think it's a bad thing. I don't know why you would want to watch horrible <laughs> things happening to unhappy people. That also goes with comedy. Don't like Mr. Bean. <gasps> Terrible what? things happen to an unhappy person. Oh, he's not unhappy. He's he is unhappy. He's unhappy. Anyway, comedy. I really only like seeing nice things happening to good people um, in films and TV and books. Anyway, um, but the horror elements were actually very minor, and I didn't watch them. And the rest of the film was better than I thought it would be. So I'm going to score it um, seven thousand. Very nice. For the film. Um, and the maths was kind of non-existent and according to you guys, <laughs> wrong. Yeah. So um, I will score it 2,000. Ben, Lyle, who would like to go next? Um, so I'm going to score it out of 26, which is uh, one dimension of the cube. Um, <laughs> in terms of the movie... So uh, are your scores going to so... be the cube root of what Liz gave? <laughs> Yes, something like that. In terms of the movie, well, uh, the writing was average. The acting was uh, ordinary. <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, graphical deaths were unnecessary. Uh, uh, in fact, I would rather have been watching <laughs> The Crystal Maze where everyone got knocked <laughs> locked in in the first game. When you say so. graphical deaths, do you mean the guy because the guy was kind of chopped into like cubes equal pieces? As <laughs> <laughs> opposed to graphic you can plot the deaths on the graph. Yeah. Yes, I'm nice. going to give it four out of twenty six. It was terrible. Aww. Okay, Aww. Uh, and the the maths was just incredibly rubbish. I mean, how can anyone look at six hundred and forty five who claims to be a mathematician and not know <laughs> that it's not prime? Um, it's they true. managed they it's managed true. to get the most important bit of their uh, uh, process wrong. Um, and they uh, portrayed mathematicians as being geeky or um, idiots <laughs> and wrongs or whatever you want to call it. Um, so um, I'm going to give it just one out of 26. Worst oh, film we've watched yet. Worst oh, film we've watched wow. yet. Wait, wait, did you say the worst film? We've watched yet, yes. Oh, Ooh, interesting. So, Lyle. Well, I Lyle. think I'm going to keep on the, the cube theme and I will go out of six for the number of sides that there are in a cube. Very nice. Um, and since I suggested this one, it's actually a film that's somewhat near and dear to my heart, and I do love it. Um, oh. So I think on on that scale, just for the fact that um, you know it was ninety seven, yeah. it was twenty odd years ago. Um, <laughs> they had writing in ninety seven. They had actors. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, 
and I would point out that David Thulet and Nicola, Nicole DeBoer are great actors. Um, <laughs> but uh, just for... If you've ever seen uh, Scott Stargate... Deep Space uh, Nine, the later seasons, and um, <laughs> something else, I can't remember. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I give it four out of six sides, just because excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, I think there are, you know, they could have cleaned some things up, but for a low-budget film... Um, that inspires several sequels and is a cult film for specific yep. reasons. Yep. Um, I think characterization-wise and, and that particular structure, it, it, it works pretty well for what it is. Um, on the math, I am not a mathematician. I, you know, but the, the fact that I could point out things that were they, you know, <laughs> the fact that I could go, it ends in a five, dummy. Um <laughs> or it ends in a two, dummy, or what, yeah. what, uh, you know, yeah. um, so out of, I'd give it a two sides out of six. Oh, and it falls to me then. So I'm going to give my, um, my, my scale out of the three films, Cube, Hypercube, and Cube Zero. That's going to be the scaling. <laughs> and as for the film, I'm going to lie on It's not a it, well-ordered scaling! It, You're fucking with the system! <laughs> Yes. Um, what, so, what, the, what the hell is the point of people listening to 90 minutes of crap to get to the end to find out what you thought of the film just for you to make up some non-existent scale for some dodgy movie we should never watch anyway? Gah! So I'm, I'm going to go into the next room. I'm going to go to the next... Oh. Ah! Look, a cheese wire! Ah! No! Acid! Ah! And yet he's still noisy. My, my, my feelings were with you, Lyle. I watched it as a teenager. It spoke to me then. It speaks to me even more now. I, and I, there are problems with the acting, but I think, given it was done in 20 days. There's not problems. It's like saying, you've got a problem with your car, sir. You haven't got a car. It's just so bad. Oh, they're the, Canadian. They understood. tried to be mean. Yeah. Canadians can't be mean. Exactly. It's just, it was hard. <laughs> Right. Are we done, children? <laughs> sorry, 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 Tom. So, the it was filmed in twenty days, and it was filmed out of order. I think we can let a little bit of sporadic acting skills go uh, under the the radar here. So, out of Cube, Hypercube, and Cube Zero, I'm going to give it a Hypercube. And for the maths, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, what what can you say Straight about down it? Middle. It it although I'm going to give it some props because I think it allowed some people to then go look up maths. So it inspired people. What maths? What maths did they look <laughs> up? Oh look, this is a number. Oh, That's I might like, learn my times tables. It, if you get shortchanged at Tesco's and somebody says, "Oh, that those two oranges <laughs> will be eighty-four pounds, please," it's like, no, I'm going to go home and learn maths because you mucked it up so much. I'm getting a lot of flack for my scoring here. <laughs> so anyway, on my scoreboard, I'm going to give it. A cube zero. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does it even mean? <laughs> and so with that, that brings us to the end. Lyle, Lyle, thank you for joining us, Lyle. Thank you very much for having me pleasure. on. Please fun. do do it. So please do pimp your website and your uh, your podcast. Uh, Lyle, I'm I'm not kidding. I've been googling flights <laughs> to New Mexico. I'm coming over. It's a wonderful we're gonna, place. We're we're gonna go on holiday. It's going to be great. I mean, it won't be much of a holiday for you. It will mainly be me living in your house. There might already be a cube here. We don't know. So 
<laughs> but uh, if, if people do want to go on holiday with you, Lyle, how w- would they find your work? Uh, they would find my work in particular on lyleskeins.com or I'm also on Amazon. Uh, just on Amazon, search for Lyle Skeins. Um, and my podcast is at podcast.wonderboxpublishing.com and wonderboxpublishing.com is my all my other projects. So have a look. Marvellous, marvellous. And we should all go listen to it. It actually does sound very interesting. <laughs> um, and with that, you can catch all of our stuff on podcastmaths at uh, gmail.com. You can tweet at us, podcastmaths at. Uh, our website is www.mathsat.co.uk. We're everywhere. Just keep Googling until you find us. I mean, you're listening to this podcast, so you probably found <laughs> us in, in the first place. And with that, we can finally let this one lie. We have been Mathsat. Say goodbye, Ben. Oh, what does it even mean, Tom? <laughs> Say goodbye, Liz. Goodbye, Liz. Say goodbye, Lyle. Adios, amigos. And I have been Thomas Woolley. Goodbye. We have been Mathsat. Winning at maths, losing at life. Good night. This podcast is a Random Walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library. <laughs>